Hey, this is Nate Clark, and I'm the pastor of Oasis Church in Richmond, Virginia. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. Our hope is that you're encouraged and challenged by God's Word. Here's today's message. Good morning, Oasis Church. How are we this morning? Man, wasn't that a powerful time of worship? So grateful for the team, and um, we're excited you're here. Uh, as Kyle said a little bit earlier, if this is your very first time, we want to say welcome. Welcome to the family. Uh, we are here at Oasis Church. We're a brand new church plant. This is our fourth Sunday, and so uh, we're just excited about what God has done over these last few weeks and the family that he's growing here and all that he's doing in our hearts and in our city. And we're believing with all of our heart that we're just getting started and the best is yet to come. Anybody believe that with me? The last few weeks, we've been in a collection of talks that we've called Mountains and Valleys. Mountains and Valleys. How many know life is full of mountains and valleys? Ups and downs and ins and outs and good days and bad days, good seasons and bad seasons. And sometimes you get all of them in one day, don't you? And uh, what we've been talking about over these last few weeks is this idea of how do we navigate life's ups and downs? How do we cling to a God that's never changing in the midst of our journey that's always changing? So we've looked at what the scriptures have to say about it. And I'd like to read a passage of scripture from the book of Philippians this morning. If you have your Bible or your smartphone, you can take it out and go to the book of Philippians. This is a book in the scripture that's written by a guy named Paul. And Paul was one of the greatest missionaries of all time, a church planter, an apostle. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he writes this short little letter that we call the book of Philippians. It was a letter to a church that he started, that he helped plant. So it was just like this, just like this community here. It was a church plant in the town of Philippi. And Paul is now in a season of trial and persecution. He's in a valley season, and he's writing a letter back to the church in Philippi that he first uh, started, that he first planted and helped them start out. And the theme of this whole letter, this short little book, it's really easy to read. I encourage you this week to go read the book of Philippians, just four chapters. The whole theme of this book is joy. Somebody say joy. So in these four chapters, Paul over 15 times talks about joy. And so I'd like to look at a few scriptures this morning that we're going to look at as we continue mountains and valleys. Are you ready for the word this morning? Verse number one of Philippians four says this, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for my joy, somebody say joy, joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Now jump down to verse number four. He says, rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. And the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Don't you love that? He's like, hey, in case you read it too fast and just skipped over it, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. In case you didn't hear me the first time, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Anybody got that friend that always repeats themselves? Maybe it's because you're that friend that doesn't listen. <laughs> number, verse number five, let your gladness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Go over to verse number 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And I am not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any 
in every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. For I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And then a beautiful passage of scripture. This week, as we continue mountains and valleys, I'd like to talk about joy. Joy, because what I believe about joy, the spirit of joy that God wants to give all of us today, I believe that joy is something you can have in the mountain or the valley. Joy is something that can be constant in the midst of life's ups and downs. So Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to gather. We thank you for this family that you're building here. And God, I pray that as we open your word, that you would do what I cannot, and that is change our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Joy, 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 joy. Has there ever been um, a person in your life that tends to give you advice or encouragement that's not helpful? You got that friend, you know? It's like some of y'all are like, I'm sitting next to him, right? You know, like, like, you know, it's just those people that's like, you know, you're talking to them. You're like, man, I've had a long week. Gosh, I'm so tired. They're like, hey, you should get some rest. That's groundbreaking advice. Thank you. I never thought of that. Right. <laughs> or, you know, they're like they're just maybe not like super sensitive to, you know, like what's going on. Like you're like spilling your heart out to them. Like, man, it's been I'm, I'm going through it right now. Man, I'm, it's just man, it's crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. How are you? And they're like, blessed and highly favored. I'm anointed and appointed. <laughs> you're like, dude, what? You're not helpful, right? Like, <laughs> or even like when I used to run cross country in high school and stuff, like, you know, we would, you know, you're always like trying to hit your goals and trying to hit your times and trying to place in this race or whatever. And there was like, just a few people that would always, you know, it's like, man, oh, I didn't place, oh, I didn't do this. They'd always be like, well, run faster. I'm like, dude, like, that's not helpful. Like, you know, like, like stop trying, stop, you're trying to stop, right? Come on, is, is anybody on spiritual like me? You just get annoyed at people sometimes. You're like, yeah, you're not, you're not helping me here. And on, on the surface level, maybe, I think you can read the book of Philippians, particularly chapter 4. I think on the surface level, if we're not careful, we could, we could read Philippians chapter 4 almost like not helpful, not sensitive advice. It, it could easily come across as that because in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing, and in verse number 4, he gives us a command, rejoice, rejoice. Now, he doesn't give us a suggestion like, hey, if you get around to it, if you feel like it, if stuff's going good, like, rejoice, or uh, occasionally rejoice. No, he's, uh, he's giving you a command, just like he gives the command in Scripture to pray, to love others. Like, all these other commands, just like that command, he says, hey, rejoice. Rejoice. And I was looking up, you know, like, what, what, what does it mean to rejoice? Here's what it means. It means to take delight in. To take great delight in. To take great pleasure in. And it's a spirit of happiness. It's a spirit of joy, this idea of rejoicing. And Paul gives us a command, rejoice. So I was thinking about my own life. Like, what do I, you know, 
What gets me excited? What do I take delight in? What do, you, what do people get excited about? What do people take joy in? And I just put a few things together. Uh, maybe good health. Maybe you're in good health and, and you're thankful for that. You're gracious. You're, you're, you're thankful that God has been gracious to you and you take joy and delight in the fact that, that you're healthy. Maybe you got a promotion at work or a raise at work. Come on, somebody. You can take delight in that. You can rejoice in, in the fact that, that you're moving up or that you're hitting your goals. Uh, maybe the success of your kids or the success of your family. You, you take delight in that. You take joy in that. You take pleasure in that. That gives you happiness. Maybe a great weather. Come on, somebody ready for some fall weather. That's me. Come on, get this heat out of here in Jesus' name, right? Like, I, you, you take great, like that first fall crisp morning, you're like, mm, I feel Jesus right now, you know? It's, you take delight. You take pleasure in that. You know, your sports team, if they ever decide to win a game, I never, you know, never do. But if they do, you could take delight. You could take pleasure in that. You could take delight. You could rejoice in good relationships and life-giving friends around you and community around you. You could rejoice in that. Uh, And most importantly, you could rejoice in gelati celesti ice cream. (laughs) Come on. That's where you can find me, by the way. Rejoice. Paul says, Rejoice. I'm going to say it again in case you missed it. Rejoice. It's a command to rejoice. And as I was thinking about this and what I rejoice in and all these kind of things, the command seems difficult because it seems like he's commanding you to do an emotion. You can't command emotions, right? And it's problematic when you begin to play this out in your life and think through it because here's where the problem comes down. Paul just doesn't say rejoice. He says, rejoice always. Rejoice continually. Rejoice nonstop. No breaks, no days off, no seasons. Always rejoice. When you look at the original Greek language, the word always means always. Rejoice all the time. And so this is where it becomes problematic because it's easy to rejoice sometimes, but how can you always rejoice? Because how many know you're not always healthy? How many know you don't always get promoted? You might get demoted. The weather isn't always good and relationships aren't always strong and hope isn't always on the rise in your life or your heart or your home or your workplace. So this becomes problematic. How then do we rejoice always and do it genuinely? Like, I don't just want to fake it till I make it. I don't just want to put a smile on and act like a little happy Jesus follower and on the inside be torn apart. I want true, genuine, soulful joy. Anybody with me this morning? I want true joy. And so how then do we not only just rejoice, but how do we always continually Nonstop, without ceasing, genuinely rejoice. How do we do this? And he gives us the answer in the scripture. He says, rejoice, and the next three words gives you the key on how to do it. In the Lord. Always. So make the object of what you're rejoicing in Christ. Let the source of your rejoicing Come from Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. So what he's telling us here is if you're rejoicing in the Lord, you'll always have something to rejoice in. There is enough in Christ for you to always rejoice. Oh, this is good news. God is good enough 
for you to rejoice all the time. God is gracious enough for you to continually rejoice. God is mighty enough for you to continually rejoice. God is, God is strong enough, big enough, compassionate enough. He's compassionate enough. He's loving enough for you to continually, all the time, nonstop rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Man, I want to encourage you today. If you're here and you came in here and you are low on joy, I want to encourage you to dive into the deep well that is Jesus to find joy. Dive into the deep well of the good news of the gospel because in him there is more than enough to keep us rejoicing. We could be here all day just for time's sake. I'll just read out a few. Here's a few reasons to rejoice because God has always been, he is, and he always will be on the throne. We can rejoice. God sent his son Jesus to pay for my sin and to reconcile me back to God. That's good news. I can rejoice in that. God has promised he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I can rejoice. God is true to every single one of his promises. I can rejoice. Come on, somebody with me this morning. God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I can rejoice. I can't outrun God's grace. I'm so thankful I can rejoice. In Christ, I'm promised a hope and I'm promised a future. I can rejoice. In Christ, the word says we've been given every spiritual blessing. We can rejoice because of that. There are good works that are prepared for me in advance to do by God. I can rejoice in that. As a follower of Jesus, I get eternity with him forever. I can rejoice in that. I can rejoice in the fact that one day Jesus will wipe away every tear. I can rejoice in the fact that one day Jesus is coming back and he will make all things new. He will right every wrong. He will redeem every hurt. He'll wipe away every tear. I can rejoice in the hope that I have that he's coming back and he'll fulfill his promises. Anybody convinced this morning that we can rejoice in the Lord continue? Come on, give him a praise this morning if you believe we can rejoice. In him, there's enough to rejoice always, nonstop, continually, because in him there's more than enough. There's more than enough. We can rejoice in the Lord. And I love how the Apostle Paul encourages, encourages us to do this, because I think in the scripture, I think he's living it out. Like, Paul, Paul is writing this letter from a season of darkness and trial and suffering Yet he's talking about joy. He's, he's modeling for us what it means to find our joy in Christ. He's modeling for us that, hey, it doesn't matter what season you're in. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. You can have true, genuine, lasting, continuous joy if you get it from Christ. And, and he shows us some characteristics of some things that I pray is true of me and I pray is true of you and us as a church. If we want to be people of joy. If we want to be people of joy. So I have three things for you this morning. Characteristics of people that find their joy in Christ. Do I have any note takers that are ready this morning? Note takers are history makers. Come on, take some notes. I hear your mansion in heaven is a little bigger if you take notes in church. That's what they say. Number one, number one is this. When I get my joy from Christ, I can celebrate others. 
When I get my joy from Christ, I can celebrate others. Look, look, here's what he says in verse number one. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Then he encourages them. Stand firm in the Lord this way. Dear friends, so he's, he's writing to his fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. He's writing to his family, to his spiritual community. And I love that he addresses them as his brothers and sisters. We're family. Come on, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Your fam and your fam and your fam. And every fam's got some, got some crazy relatives. But it's okay because we're all family. Come on, somebody. And, and then I love that he doesn't just stop at calling them family, that they're his brothers and sisters, but he, here's how he describes them. He says, look, you guys are my joy and my crown. You guys are my joy and my crown, your life, your faith, your walk. The word crown, it's translated from the original Greek that Paul is writing this in. There's many words for crown. This crown is not a crown of royalty. It's not a crown a king or a queen would wear. This crown is a crown that a, 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 a sports champion would wear. So this is like a gold medal crown. This is a first place crown. This is a crown of accomplishment, of achievement, that you've, you've, made, you, you've accomplished something. You've, you're, you're moving forward. And he's saying, hey, guys, the, the, you are my joy and crown. Look, he's celebrating them. He's saying, hey, your wins, your achievements, your faith is my trophy. My, my, my life is not about what I'm accomplishing or about what I'm doing, but I'm taking pleasure and delight in the fact that you're winning. I'm celebrating the fact that you're moving forward. You're, you're making progress. Your faith is working itself out. You guys are my joy and you're my crown. He's saying you're my prize. He's delighting in the fact that they're winning. How countercultural is this? But look, he's showing us when you have true, genuine joy from Christ, you can celebrate other people because you don't need anything from other people. If you've got genuine joy from Christ, you can celebrate other people winning and other people moving forward because you don't need anything from them. You've got joy from Christ. So if my joy is genuine, I can live a life that celebrates those around me. I can live a life where those around me are winning and they're my joy and my crown. I'm delighting and rejoicing in the fact that others are succeeding. See, in God's economy, his economy is so different from the world. In God's economy, someone else's win does not mean your loss. See, I grew up playing sports, and I know a lot of us you know, play sports or watch sports. And How sports work are if you win, someone else has to lose. I'm not a fan of participation trophies, by the way. <laughs> if I win the race, that means the other 74 people had to lose the race. Like if I win the gold medal, that means everyone else competing lost because I beat them. If I win, you have to lose. If you win, I have to lose. In God's economy, it does not work like this. In God's economy, your win doesn't mean my loss. In God's economy, your promotion does not mean my demotion. But if I have joy from Christ 
If, if, if Christ's joy is filling my life, my prize and my trophy can be your, your success and your winning. Why? Because I have joy from him and I don't, I don't need to be anybody else. I can spur others on and celebrate those around me. Joy allows you to focus on pushing others farther along than you've been and you'll ever go. Joy frees you up to push other people along. Jesus himself even modeled this. This is a crazy passage and a crazy statement by Jesus in the Gospels. I, it'd be crazy for you to go back and read it and study. But Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, you know, his disciples left their families and their jobs to follow him as a person. Like the disciples' entire lives after they followed Jesus literally consisted of whatever Jesus is doing, that's what they're doing. Like if you were to ask the disciples when when they were following Jesus in the Gospels, hey, what's the plan for this week? Their answer was, whatever Jesus is doing. Like, if Jesus is going there, we're going there. Jesus tells us to do this, we're going to do this. Their, Their lives were literally, they literally consisted of following around the person of Jesus. And so Jesus is getting to a point in his ministry where he's going to be leaving them. And how many know if you left your job and your family and your hometown to follow a person... And now that person is like, oh, guys, by the way, I'm about to head out. Where are you going? Heaven? <laughs> like you can imagine that news to them would it be like, what do you mean? Where, where are you going? We, we left everything to follow you. And here's how Jesus comforted them. Here's how Jesus, he said, hey, I, I'm leaving, but I, I, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, my helper to you. And you will do even greater things than you saw me do. So his, his life and his ministry sowing into his disciples was preparing them and working something in them so that when he was getting ready to leave, he said, hey guys, all the things you've seen me do, the, the, the boldness that I've been proclaiming the word, the miracles you've seen, the, all the stuff you've seen, because of the Holy Spirit I'm going to send to you, because of the ministry you've been around me, you will do even greater things than I've done. But what? What is Jesus doing? He's, 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 he's pushing other people along. He's celebrating other people. Why? Because he's, he had a connection with the Father and joy from the Father. He didn't need to beat anyone. He could champion them. He didn't need to compete with them. He could celebrate them because he had joy from the Father. People without joy can't celebrate other people. They can't celebrate them because they feel threatened by them. Here's a a question to ask yourself. How do I know if I have joy from Christ today? How do I know if I have true, genuine joy in my soul? Is when someone else is succeeding, are you thrilled or are you threatened? When, When God's blessing someone, when God's doing something in someone's life, are you thrilled or are you threatened? Let me tell you, if you've got joy from Christ, you can be you can be thrilled, you can celebrate them. Because remember, in Christ there's more than enough. If I've got joy from him, I don't have to be threatened by others, but I can celebrate others. That'll tell you where your joy is. Number one, when I get my joy from Christ, I can celebrate others. Celebrate others. Number two is this. When I get my joy from Christ, I can be content. When I get my joy from Christ, I can be content. Here's what he says in verse number 12. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. He's like, hey, I've been in every season. I've been in the mountain. I've been in the valley. 
I've, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So Paul's like, hey, I, I, I know what it is to be in lack. Not because I've heard about it or because I know people, because I've been in lack. He's like, I know what it is to have plenty, to be in abundance, not because I heard about it, not because I know people, because I've had abundance. Paul said, I, I've, been, I've been there. I've been in every season. But in every season I've been in, I've learned how to be content. What he's saying here is the season I was in did not determine the spirit that I had. So my seasons went like this, but my spirit stayed like this. Because I was content in every season that I've had. If you've got true joy from Christ, I'm telling you, you can have contentment wherever you are. Look, this is a, the idea of being content is a sought-after commodity in 2019. Everyone is spinning their wheels and exhausting themselves looking to be content. And I'm here to tell you this morning from the scriptures that true joy leads to contentment right where you are. We, we believe the lie today in our society that we will be content when fill in the blank. Like, even, even as kids growing up, th- this is, like, hardwired into us. Like, you know, like, like, you're in elementary school, and it's like, oh, when I get to middle school, I'll be so cool. It's going to be middle school. And then, like, you've been in middle school for three weeks, and you're like, oh, bro, I'm ready to get to high school. Bro. Oh, high school, though? Oh, high school is going to be so good, high school. And then, and then you're a freshman in high school, and you're like, oh, man, when I get my driver's license, oh, light, oh, it's going to be good. And then as soon as you get your driver's license and you're driving to your last few years of high school, you're like, oh, my gosh, man, if I, if I could just get out of here and just get to college. Oh, college. Yeah, college is going to be it. Oh, that's good. And then as soon as you get to college, like eight weeks later, you're like, oh, my gosh, if I can just graduate and get a job. <laughs> you know, like when people graduate, it's always like, good job, now get a job, right? Like one if I can just get a job and make some money because I'm a broke college student, if I, it, it'll be good. Life will be good. I find contentment when I, when I get out and get a job and make some money. And then you get out and you get a job and you're like, oh, if, if I could just find a different job <laughs> with more money. It's like, oh, if I could just find a spouse then, right? Fill in the blank. This is our society. This is our culture. We believe the lie that we will be content when fill in the blank. And we've all got our fill in the blank. And we believe it and we chase after it and we get it. And then there's more. And there's more. And there's more. Why? Because contentment doesn't come from the rat in the wheel. Contentment doesn't come from your situation around you. No, no, no. Contentment comes from true, genuine joy in Christ. Contentment with what you have. Contentment with what's right in front of you. Content with the calling that God has on your life. Content with the anointing that God has put on you. Content with the skills and passions and talents God has put in you. Content with the family God has given you. Content with the city that, that you're in with the community that's around you. And look, when I say content, I'm not talking about being lazy and not having goals and not working towards anything. But I'm saying, hey, I, I'm grateful and I have a sense of peace and rest and joy in what God has put in front of me right now. Yeah. Content. 
content. So often, I think we let comparison steal our contentment. This is the dangerous part about 2019 is because of our phones and because of the internet, you can be exposed to everyone else's calling and everyone else's accomplishments and everyone else's goals in the lanes everyone else is running in and what God has called everyone else to do. And it's really easy to look at what everyone else is doing and not be content with what God has got you doing. If we're not careful, we'll exhaust our souls comparing to the race everyone else is running while ignoring the race God has called us to run. But Paul is talking about a joy that's saying, no, I'm content with the lane in the race God has got me in and where he's got me right now. Contentment. Look, comparison will be the thief of your joy. Comparison will steal your joy so fast. But joy in Christ gives me a contentment with what God has put right in front of me. Look, the best way to keep my eyes off of a move of God somewhere else is to keep my eyes on the move of God right here. The best way for you to keep your eyes off of what God's doing other places is to get your eyes on what God is doing right here. And when you do that, you'll see, man, there's some of you, you're blessed far beyond you even know because you spend your life looking and comparing instead of looking right in front of you and what God has put in your hand. And I pray God would give you contentment today. comes from joy in Christ that says, no, I don't need to compare. That person is running that race, and that person is running that race, and God is doing that in that person. And because I have joy, I celebrate them. Because I have joy, I celebrate them. And because I have joy, I run my race. Because I have joy, I'm focused on what God has put right in front of me, the task that God has called me to. What God has called you to might not be what God has called someone else to. I'm content with what God has entrusted to me. I'm content with my season, my giftings, my anointing, and I'm grateful. In my life right now, joy will give me the spirit of contentment. Give me the spirit of contentment. I don't know about you, there's nothing more unattractive or repelling to me than a person that's discontent. There's just something repelling about it. But man, there's something attractive, there's something magnetic about a person that's just content. I don't need anything from anybody. I don't need to beat this person or beat that person. I don't need to compete with them. We're on the same team. I'm, I'm content with where God has me, and I'm telling you that comes from joy. Are you content with what God's put right in front of you right now? Number three is this. I want you to write this down. When I get my joy from Christ, I've got consistency. Got consistency. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and help me finish here. I've got, I've got consistency. Look, joy cannot be taken by a situation if it didn't come from a situation. Your joy cannot be stolen by a circumstance if your joy never came from a circumstance. If your joy comes from your surroundings, if your joy comes from your situation, if your joy comes, and depending on the season of life you're in, here's what I call that kind of joy. I call that fragile joy. It's only a matter of time before the mountains and the valleys and your joy is gone. Why? Because it was dependent on something so fragile. Your joy is only as consistent as the source that you get it from. Do you hear me? Look, your joy is only as consistent as the source you get it from. 
about six weeks ago, me, me and my wife, Anna, we were out west and um, we were driving. Uh, for a few days, we had to go from city to city. And, uh, you know, there it's a different game out there than on the East Coast. If you've ever been out west, you know. And uh, we were uh, in a city that was 2,000 feet above sea level. Now, to give you some context, my house here is about 80 feet above sea level. Okay, so this whole city is 2,000 feet above sea level. And our particular trek that day, we had a few hour drive to another city that was about 8,000 feet above sea level. So we're just climbing for hours, climbing for hours. And so like we had our like, you know, car or whatever, and we're driving and um, it's hot out there, by the way, it's like a desert. We're in Arizona and it's like 115, like a cool 115 there, you know? And so we're in the car just blasting the AC, like we're staying cool, windows up for sure, right? Like. But it was funny, like when we were there, like at 2,000 feet above sea level, there's like people, convertibles out everywhere, you know, because everybody's just soaking up the sun. Everybody's loving the sun, driving around with convertibles and sunglasses and hats and tank tops and, you know, stuff. And, uh, and we noticed as we began driving out from that city and climbing, climbing, climbing the mountain, there was less and less convertibles. And the ones that we did see, the people in the convertibles, were like closing the top. They were like, they were like putting hoodies on. We're like looking at them. They're like, they're like changing their wardrobe and, and everything. And we didn't even realize it at the time. But the reason is because as we're climbing, 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 the temperature dropped like 40 degrees in the drive. So the, so the higher you go, it's just colder and colder and colder. And so like we watched these people like up and down the mountain, like switching off all their stuff because the temperature was changing so much. And the whole time we're just, we're just trying, we're, we're not even thinking about it. Why? Because we're in, we're in a controlled car with, we're, 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 we're controlling the temperature and it's steady no matter where we drive. Look, here's, here's what this faith journey is like getting joy from Christ. It's like driving in the car, controlling the temperature, and you, you, you can go in a season, out of a season, into cold, out of cold, up the mountain, down the mountain, and, and it doesn't matter because the temperature is not controlled out there, it's controlled in here. So, so, so you're just driving, and people all around you are, 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 are panicking, and, and, and their joy is in and out, and it's in and out, and the whole time you're going through the same situation, and you're going through the same journey, but there's a consistency. Why? Because your joy is not dependent on what's out there, it's dependent on what's right here. Joy in Christ brings consistency. My joy isn't dependent on the economy or my health or my religion. No, no, my joy comes from Christ. My joy comes from Him. And He's consistent. He's steady. He's steadfast. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says this, People who are very happy, especially those who are in the Lord, have their minds so sweetly occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as we are. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. Joy in the Lord. I, I can go through the mountain, I can go through the valley because I've got joy. I've got joy in the Lord. I thought to close here, I would do a little exercise with us and get us all involved. I thought I would read out a few situations maybe that you're in right now, maybe that you've been in, and just see how we would respond to it. Because Paul says, rejoice in the Lord, what? Always. So I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. 
All right, so here we go. When you get a new job, what should you do? Rejoice. When your family is growing and healthy? Rejoice. Rejoice, man. When you're living in a community and thriving in relationships? Rejoice. When you wake up on Monday and you're feeling great about the week, what should you do? Rejoice. Yeah. When you're dreaming big and working hard and accomplish your goals, what should you do? Yeah, that's good. When you pray a bold prayer and you see God answer your prayer, come on, what should you do? Rejoice in the Lord. When you find the right guy or the right girl and you fall in love, come on, somebody, what should you do? You should rejoice. When the doctor report comes back great, what should you do? Yeah. When finances are coming in and provision is in your house, what should you do? Rejoice. When you lose your job. Rejoice. When sickness has plagued your household, what should you do? Rejoice. When you want to grow your family but infertility hits you like a ton of bricks, what should you do? Rejoice. When you're lonely, you don't know who you can turn to, what should you do? Rejoice. When you wake up on Monday and you're paralyzed with anxiety and fear about the week ahead, what should you do? Rejoice. When you pray and God doesn't answer, rejoice. When you can't seem to find the right guy or girl and you're sick of waiting, what should you do? Rejoice. The doctor report gets worse. The finances have run dry. See what I'm doing here. Rejoice in the Lord always. And if it's in the Lord, we can always rejoice. He is our source. He is our strength. And in Him, we can have joy. Amen? Bow your head and close your eyes with me. I want to pray for us this morning before we finish up. And I just want you to take a moment. I'm asking you to bow your head and close your eyes just so you and God can focus right now, just you and Him. There's some people in this room, you came in here, and your joy has been put in your circumstance, and I came here to remind you this morning to put your hope back in Christ, put your joy back in Christ. And maybe today you need to have a moment with God where you say, God, I'm going to put my joy, I'm going to get it from you. I'm going to get it from you. Here's what I believe with all my heart, though. You can never have true, genuine joy if you don't first have relationship with Jesus. Relationship with Jesus is what you were meant for. Relationship with Jesus is the well that our joy comes from. And maybe you came in here today far from God. You don't have relationship with Jesus, but today is going to be the day where you say, I'm giving my heart to Jesus. I'd like to pray for all of us here in a minute, but I'd like to specifically pray for those of you in here, and today you're just running low on joy. And you want me to pray for you that God would fill your heart, your spirit, your life today with a sense of joy. I'd love to pray over you this morning. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand up. I wanna know who I'm praying for. Father, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters here in this room today. God, I thank you that you are the God of all joy. Lord, I thank you that your word shows us 
what it means to have true joy. And Father, I pray for every single person in this room today, God, every single life, every single family, every single hand lifted today, Lord, and I pray a spirit of joy in their heart today in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray you would remove their eyes from their circumstance just for a moment here today, and would you fix their eyes on the cross? Would you fix their eyes on your goodness and your grace and your strength? God, that today joy may flood their heart. Joy may flood their spirit. God, would they be people of great joy? Lord, I, Lord, for our whole church, I pray as we leave this building today that we would leave with our heads held high with a heart full of joy, not because of what's going on around us, but because of what's happened in us. Lord, fill my brothers and sisters with joy today. Fill them with joy today. I just want you to take 20 seconds, just you and God, and I want you to ask God to fill you with joy today. Ask God to fill your heart with joy today. Lord, thank you for your presence and thank you for your word, and thank you for your joy, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on, everybody said, hey, come on, put your hands together for Jesus this morning, anybody thankful for the joy that comes from Jesus, come on, you can do better than that, come on, let's celebrate Jesus today, let's rejoice in his goodness, amen, amen. Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. For more content like this, you can subscribe to our podcast channel. If it encourages you, we'd even ask that you review it and that you share it with friends. That would be so helpful to us. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.